Welcome to Science and Non-Duality. What is non-duality? The universal forces. It's the collective conscious. Being aware. Trauma is not the external event that happens. Trauma is the impact of that event, which is the disconnection from ourselves. That matter is energy. Energy is matter. That's what EMC squared is about. There's a language without nouns. There is a language without subjugation. There's a language without objectifying. But if it's recorded, then we there is a collapse. But if it's not, then it's the infinite potentiality. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Thank you. Welcome, everyone. So beautiful to see the feed with all the vibrations from every corner of right. this planet. So Yay. nice to have you with us today. And yeah, and it's such an honor. I mean, because uh, we, okay, we're, how do we phrase this? This is who we are. Oh, right. Yeah. We should say. <laughs> my, name, my name is Maurizio. My name is Zaya. We are the co-founders of Science and Non-Duality. And yeah. we have the privilege. This has been a dream, actually, of ours. All mm. these years organizing Send to have um, these two contemporary spiritual teachers, like leading contemporary sp spiritual teachers together in conversation. Yeah. And a lot of our audience is actually students uh, of these um, two beautiful um, spiritual schools. And on top of it, they're two incredibly awesome human and it's been such a joy in all this year at Sand to interface with you and spend some time outside from the from the stage. So and I heard I we were not aware, but this is the first time that these, the, the two of them are meeting in a program. So it's a first blind date uh, online between Thomas and Amid. So, but without further ado, I would say let's jump in a I want to introduce. So the title of the program is The Wonder of the Heart. So we want to once more welcome you and thanking you for joining us for this special conversation between A.H. Almas, the founder of a Diamond Approach to Self-Realization, and Thomas Hubel, the founder of the Academy of Inner Science. Welcome, Thomas, and welcome, Hamid. I have a few questions just to start the conversation, but again, feel free to flow with whatever else the conversation takes us. So the, the wonder of the heart. So maybe we can just begin with like in your, um, in your teachings, like what do you mean by heart? What, what do you mean by awakening of the heart? And what does it mean to cross the gap between the mind and the heart? Uh, is it a natural process, a natural part of the growth on the spiritual path? Is it something spontaneously happening by grace? Um, I know these are a lot of questions, so I'm just going to stop here and maybe we just begin with, like, yeah, what is the heart on the spiritual path? And again, this is... This question has been tackled by every spiritual tradition and, and has been approached differently. So, mm. I, yeah, me to Thomas, whoever feels beginning first. Maybe Hamid, you want to start? I want to say first that uh, you and Tom, we met together before. 
we had a meal together in Sands. So it's not the first time we meet, actually, personally. We never did a seminar together, but we met personally, which is nice. <laughs> I enjoyed our that breakfast and our conversation, and there was a lot of heart in it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I like the way the some of the Sufi look at the heart. They talk about the soul, and the soul has stages of development. The first uh, stage is the animal soul. That is the soul that is uh, dominated by its instincts, instinctual drive for survival and things like that. The second stage of the heart is the human soul. The third stage is the angelic soul. The human soul, this is what differentiates the human soul from the animal soul, is that the human soul has heart, has developed heart. So I think by heart they mean love. That's one thing. But heart, you know, for me is the feeling effective dimension of our consciousness. Like our consciousness, our being, our presence, our awareness is a sensitivity to be aware, to be to have experience. But that experience is not just knowing. There is a feeling component to it. When you feel spacious, you don't see space, you also feel spacious. The feeling of spaciousness is the contribution of heart to consciousness. But usually, for most tradition, when they talk about heart, they mean more, not just the feeling, the specific feeling, a positive feeling of our true nature, which is, it feels good. It feels good, it feels pleasurable, it feels blissful. And that is really what makes love be an important thing, because love is that bliss flowing to others. It's like the happiness in, inside us expresses itself as wanting others to be happy. And that way there's an appreciation and um, liking there are many kinds of ways that heart expresses itself. But the heart for me, in my work, in you know, my experience, is a quite a big realm of our spiritual universe. You know, it, it provides its effective dimension, but have bring in things and expressions and form of experience that are not available just to pure awareness, which is bringing the capacity for contact, for connection, for uh, appreciation, for liking, for generosity, for goodness and and it is fundamentally the goodness of our true nature manifesting at itself in a way that not just uh, illuminates, but the illumination has a sense of feeling good, feeling good, feeling uh, fulfilled, feeling uh, so contentment, fulfillment, uh, love, compassion, all that is heart. And that is really, so it's a big dimension of spiritual, spirit or spiritual world or consciousness. And we could talk about it in many ways, you know, but that's how I see it in general. 
in the present time. It might, it might be good. And Thomas, I'm sure, has. He, he seemed to be full of heart, so I'm sure he knows. <laughs> Thank you, Amit. Like, I'm trying to not again repeat, because many things you said um, I uh, very much resonate with. Maybe I'll, I would frame it a bit differently, but in, in essence, uh, it's very resonant. With, I think the heart is, in a way, like a meeting point of, you know, our entire evolution as life up to this moment. Uh, and and the inspiration that we get from what I call, I think what you refer to as angelic soul, like the, the capacity of light or potentiality, and at the same time, the relation on the horizontal level to the world 2022, and how all this uh, vertical and horizontal development meets and how we embrace these dimensions in our life. And maybe just to add, and not to repeat the same thing again. Um, I think one, like one thing that I'm very passionate about because I think it's uh, it's in our time an important component is that whenever we as human beings or our ancestors or our cultures ran into severely or truly overwhelming experiences, that we or we call it today trauma and but it's kind of a postponing of experience and it's it creates like a split and i think it's very interesting in our spiritual practice i think we often meet that kind of split that the part of me is living identified with the past and and we're kind of practicing onboarding that past into the present moment so that we can truly be present and open with whatever is is happening here right now and i think that this the split between and you said it also in other words the split between the mind and the heart or the body is something that is part of our spiritual practice as our healing work to do and the more we do this the fuller become compassion and love and and the availability to the current moment and also like a spontaneous knowing that comes out of a state of not knowing and uh, relating to the current flow of experiences. And I think another dimension that I find interesting, and I'm also curious how, how, how you look at it, is the, um, that in our work, I often say healing is the restoration of the original movement or is restoring movement and often trauma and shadow and and inner splits kind of a reduced movement and so like our healing work restores that movement so that more of life can flow through us and that we experience the being part of the movement of life and not feeling separate from the movement of life and i think when people say that they feel open-hearted that they're 
is a sense of we are in tune, we are resonant, and we are joining each other's movement uh, versus feeling that we are kind of a bit separate um, in our in a kind of a reduced form of movement. So that's that's I think something to add. But I, I'm I'm curious, Hamid, how you relate to to the movement, like the Tao describes Wu Wei, like the everything is kind of an eternal uh, movement. So that's I'm curious how you look at it. <clears throat> yeah, well, <clears throat> I like the way of saying talking about heart and body and and mind <clears throat> and the heart is really what connects the mind and body and it's classically said the heart is what connects heaven and earth you know, mm -hmm. it's heaven and earth come together in heart and uh, in some sense in, in spiritual work and in, in practices the main obstacles that we deal with that everybody deal with have to do with the heart. The heart gets blocked. It's hard get uh, obstructed. It get distorted. It get um, so because it is feeling. Heart means your capacity to feel and to feel. And we feel if we feel completely freely, we can't help but feel love and empathy and all of that. So if we don't feel that way, if we feel sort of intellectual, if we feel uh, disconnected, if we feel uh, angry or frustrated, all of that I means there are things there in the way. The heart is not free. And um, so, uh, as a result, when you mentioned trauma and splitting and all of that, they do affect, of course, the body and the mind. But the work itself, a lot of it has to do with heart. I mean, uh, how you feel. True, we have to deal with our beliefs and delusions and all that and the tensions in our body and uh, they open up. But uh, from what I see, the major work is how we liberate our heart. And that is something that I like what we're doing here because most people, when they think about awakening, they think liberating the mind. You just know who you are, you know, and which is true. You, 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 that's important. But there are many people who teach without heart. They know consciousness and they know everywhere and they could be expanded, transcendent, but they're not heartful. They, they, they don't know where the other person's at. They don't care where the other person's at. You know, to know where the other person's at, to have a feel and to respond appropriately to it. Mm -hmm is heart and that is the really the flow of heaven and earth in some sense that is how so human beings are in that way is an important link you know for a whole cosmic movement and, uh, and you could said i that's one way i think about it sometimes is that when you think about Darwin theory of evolution, about survival, and you know, and uh, <clears throat> and that the point of the evolution is to to uh, make sure that your seeds are survive <laughs> you know, next to you. I said, well, 
there's something about that not satisfying, not complete about the evolution. Because I see a human being, it's true, that happened for survival, they need to do that. But that's it, just survive. That's what evolution is about. It's just, it doesn't make sense because some people do evolve to be conscious human being and not only conscious, but to feel the goodness and the wonder of reality and all of that. That must be part of evolution. You know, because evolution is life force itself evolving through various ways, various vehicles. So life force has in it heart and, mm. and peers and some animals. Human being, we can know it more directly and feel it. And so, yes, I mean, heart is, is in, in that sense, is a, a big way of major way how the, um, the, you could say, the, the cosmic or the Tao flows. It doesn't flow in just, just awareness and movement, but also in heart that connects the two, that gives the two meaning. I mean, when you say, I... What is the meaning of life? It's not a known thing. It's a felt thing. The heart knows. <laughs> one uh-huh. And one thing, you know, I understood in my journey is that the heart is not only love, but it's also truth. The heart is what knows the truth. It's not the mind. The heart has a sense, inherent sense of truth that tells the mind, oh, you're onto something. The mind doesn't know. The mind is, is conditioned by what it's here and learned, all that, which is all useful, whatever. But what gives it the direction? Yeah, I'm on the right track. It's really the heart. And the more we have that truth sense in the heart, the more even our scientific research will be more guided. Yeah, that's a beautiful way of saying it. It's like that the heart gives us like a compass. Like in, in, in one of the prayers that once came to me is like that the, in the silence of my heart I am and in the stillness of my heart I hear thy name. Like I hear the name of God yeah. or, like, or I hear the whisper of God. And it's beautiful how you said it that when we are able to calm our interior down so we have a capacity to listen and that's exactly what you said that in the heart we feel we feel uh, the truth the truth whatever the truth but we feel a compass a guidance so that's really beautiful and the other one thing that you said that i also love is um 
like how we we create a connection that our thinking is not like a helicopter mind on top of reality or on top of nature, but it's deeply synchronized. That sensing and cognition is one process. Yeah, that it's one emergence, not two different things. And and I think um, I think in the like we we talked about this a little bit, but maybe we can get into this again um, when we had this breakfast. Um, that I'm very curious, like how we, for example, live in a, in a, we all have been born into this kind of collective field. And, and this collective field carries trauma and that split already for like thousands or hundreds of thousands of years. We, we know that process and karma has been created. And, and, and I'm curious because we are so conditioned by the thinking that there is a gap between thinking and sensing often. And it's also, I can read maybe many books about spiritual journeys, awakening, but to live it is something else. So maybe we can speak a little bit about this that we've seen it in our parents, we have seen it in our teachers, you know, it's cool, we are university, like that gap between being able to think about something and to, to combine it and embody it and live it, like that's thinking and sensing becomes one process or energy and the word is again not two. And I'm, I'm curious, like how you relate to that, 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 you know, we are surrounded by that separation often, it's kind of a pandemic, like our <laughs> COVID pandemic is also um, that pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious what, how you relate to, to that split and how in your work, like how, what's the practice to, to heal that, that gap or to unify the gap, as you said. Because in, in one way, we could say one, one way to describe wisdom is how much world is being included in the way I live or in the way I act or in the way I, I walk in life, how much of life is included in that. And so I'm curious what any thoughts that you have about yeah. closing the gap between the word and the energy or the mind and the body. Yeah, it's a big subject, of course. And um, <laughs> most teachings are about that, you know. <laughs> but uh, mentioning that as a pandemic, it's true. It's a pandemic in the human race for for a long time. That's the mind and the body, the embodiment are so separated and not connected. Most people live in their minds, even if they have emotions. You know, even their emotions are controlled by their thoughts. And um, that's why the Sufis say the human uh, being, the soul, has become a human when it has heart. That means most human beings, they're not human yet, according to the Sufis. They're not, they don't have a heart yet, the way they mean by heart. You know, because, uh, and so a human being living to survive, that's the animal level. To survive and procreate and have fun, all of that, that's still animal level. Heart adds another dimension to reality. And that dimension does bring the mind and the body together, bring the thoughts with the instincts. 
together. The instinctual drive, the instinct, this are powerful forces. And they and people, you know, desire for survival is a powerful thing. I mean, they can't resist it. It's necessary. But it becomes what I call is a more refined, more civilized when taught integrating heart. And so that uh, the instinct for uh, the instinct, for instance, for um, social instinct to have companionship and community, uh, it becomes the, the drive for intimacy. And intimacy is a deeply felt thing, you know. Because intimacy, we are intimate with our consciousness and intimate, can be intimate with others. And uh, <clears throat> intimacy is a deep uh, way that the heart can mature and ripen. And, uh, but it is the same social instincts, right? And usually social instinct is guided by mind, by the thought that we learn from society and, and our upbringing and all of that, or what's the right thing, what's, you know. And we end up, you know, you can have friendship, you can have a relationship, even a love relationship, but the intimacy is, is somewhat like, it's not immediate. You know, the most we could do intimacy is to be physically intimate. You know, for me to be physically intimate is the same thing as my heart becoming the heart of the other. We have one heart and we feel things together. So if our intimacy is feeling sadness, we feel it together. If the intimacy is feeling delight, we have the same delight. So we're not only aware of each other's delight, it can, the intimacy can unify the hearts and uh, which expresses the unity of the universe the whole universe is one is unified and the heart that can, can be felt in a heart way in the world with other human beings because you you talked uh, thomas about uh, <clears throat> the way of bringing life into our realization, like how much we engage with life, and that's wisdom. And that's too, I sort of see wisdom that way. That wisdom is really the expression of our realization, of our spiritual ripening into life. Mm -hmm. If you just have the experience of it, that's not wisdom, that's realization. Wisdom is, is realization action. And bringing the values, the qualities of realization, like awareness and solidity and stillness and, uh, and generosity and goodness into our action and an interaction. And um, I mean, for me, that becomes real life then. I mean, life without that, I mean, you know, sort of dry. And it could, could go awry in the sense that people who don't have heart are the people who hurt others. That's one thing we need to see. You know, when we talk about abuse, when we talk about 
trauma and all of that and all the difficulties that people have. And people are having difficulties now. And there, there are a lot of polarization and enmity and all of that and wanting the other to feel bad and, you know, demonizing the other. If somebody who has heart wouldn't do that. But who has heart will listen, will be open, will, will understand, will uh, empathize, will feel that either the person is happy and I'm happy for them, or they're having a hard time and I feel compassion about, about it. Uh, they might be angry, whatever, but they're suffering inside. So the heart can penetrate and see what's really the truth, what's happening to the outer expression. And that is part of wisdom. Really. So you brought in a really good point, uh, Thomas, about talk about wisdom, which is uh, really the living from what we are, when what we are is our authenticity. Mm. That's very beautiful. Very beautiful. Like also the like one point that you spoke to that I think is so important right now, so in this time, how how is our experience of intimacy within the cultural context when there are so many polarized groups and there are so many views, even just on the pandemic, the fragmentation that shows up in, in our in our cultures all around the world. And 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 what a practice is really beautiful is that somebody who has heart in your words would listen, would empathize, would find a like a common resonance ground and 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 be with. And I think that's a very powerful practice. It's like a, it's also a call for a practice how we how we deal with the cultural fragmentation that that we see at the moment. Also, when you sometimes hear the political conversations and the violence in the political conversations that's that's far at the distance and what you spoke to is how we make our practice kind of a practice of intimacy and listening and and onboarding the distance into intimacy and i think that's a that's a very powerful practice and another another thing <clears throat> that i heard is that there is realization, but there is also the manifestation of our realization and being able to live it. And that, that that's, and that's what I, what I loved about your work already, you know, for many, many years, because I always felt that there, that there are two, two kinds of spiritual paths. One is like the fast food, what I call fast food spirituality. Like that's like, give me a, a weekend workshop to get enlightened or give me a weekend workshop that uh, fixes my issues. Or, or it's an invitation into a real path. And that path is much more committed. It has a much longer breath. And it has also a lot of power because of that. It's uh, not; it doesn't stay on on the surface. It brings like a lot of depth. And ever since I heard the first time about your work and I felt your work, I felt yes, this is like what I would call like a path. It's deep. It has. It needs commitment. It needs a longer breath, and it needs to what you said, like embody the authenticity of who we are as our walking. And that's beautiful. So maybe we can talk a little bit about, you know, the 
the capitalistic danger of uh, staying on the surface <laughs> or um, and trying to experience many things in order to get a lot of fast shots of excitement mm. or to have the power to to deepen a path and i think that's also part of healing the gap between the mind and the body is consistency and this commitment to a journey and to like a deep inquiry Thomas, you bring in something very important, which uh, I have been contemplating for lately, a few years, because that's a new sort of development in uh, spirituality in the many spiritual circles, especially among young people, which is they want instant enlightenment. Because everything is faster, your phone is always getting faster and faster, and you want to only get the faster phone. So you think it was the same thing with your teacher. <laughs> crank it up fast and it's a tendency I notice that um, and I think uh, many will learn it at some point but hopefully they could learn it soon enough which is that uh, spiritual spirituality is not an experience you have it is a development and maturation of our soul of our consciousness of our being to become more real, more authentic, and mature in the sense that it recognizes the truth, the value of truth, and the value of heart, and the value of intelligence, all of that. And it is cannot be done with one experience, cannot be done with one workshop. And it's, it's appreciating what life is like, that life is an evolution. It's, uh, it's, it's a learning, uh, and it's a development. In some sense, it's a, a process of, at some point, when we are into it, it's a process of ripening. We become a ripened human being. A ripened human being is moving from being, uh, at the beginning, like roots and, and a tree and a trunk that's hard and leaves and all that, to having fruits that are then very green, then they become beautiful and ripe, and so ripe they could almost drop and very juicy. And that is more the real process of how a human being is becoming a real human being. And that, that takes time. It takes commitment, dedication, focus, and following a particular teaching, a particular practice. You can't just sample things. Spirituality is not a smorgasbord, you know, which many people want to try this, try that. Yeah, that's what everybody does. At the beginning, you do, you do need to sample things. But at some point, you need to settle on something. Otherwise, you'd be wasting your time, you see. Mm -hmm. Because you'd be wasting your time, and before you know it, you're about to die. You haven't gotten deep. You know, and to get deep, you need to really need the dedication, the focus dedication. And a particular practice, particular teaching. 
whatever it is, and uh, finds a teacher that you trust, you, you love, and a teaching that resonates, and to really follow it to its depth, because the teaching, any real teaching, uh, has a great deal of uh, knowledge and understanding and experience and wisdom, and it's not just one experience, you know. Although many of the texts are written, oh, you could arrive at the ultimate, at the absolute, and that's it. But if you read the biographies of those people, you see they've gone through all kinds of things, and they continue <laughs> to go through all kinds of things. You know? So for me, enlightenment is not the end, it's the beginning of life. You know, mm. And things can evolve from there. You know? And um, so that's one thing that many people really need to learn, and I don't know how people are going to learn it. They're not going to get it from what I'm saying. You know, words don't do it. And they have to be clobbered over and over again and get disappointed over and over again until finally, hopefully, they'll wake up. Well, I better focus on here. You know, and I'm, I'm, I hope our thing like what we're doing now can help some people, you know, recognize that it's different from what I see happening most of the time. But the, the, the time-honored way, tried and true for millennia, is the commitment to a path or a teacher. And mm. can take decades to bear real fruit. Because people hear stories that this person got awakened, then something hits their head and they get awakened. Mm. That is, I mean, that too happens, but that's rare. But even in the Zen context, for instance, when somebody hears something and they get awakened, they've been meditating maybe for two or three decades. You know, it's not, it didn't happen in, in out of context, you know. So although, if you want to risk it and say it will happen to me just by going to a workshop, well, <laughs> you can do that. But really, the way that we have known really works as a commitment to a practice, uh, to a path. And that requires both belly, mind, and heart, all of them together, I think, in, in harmony. Mm. You need to work together. And, mm. you know, I'm... You, Thomas, you work with the groups and trauma, and you obviously you sort of develop this interesting way because trauma is, is a very widespread in, uh, in the culture, and the culture now is traumatized further. <laughs> it looks like we have a traumatized planet. <laughs> so your work will be very appropriate. Maybe you should do a global trauma kind of teaching. <laughs> because, you know, many people are either frustrated or afraid or got sick and, or, or hate somebody or they're hated by somebody. Or, I mean, this amazing thing. And that is really disintegrating for the human spirit. And, and I hope we come through it in a, at least some kind of good way. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. It's very prevalent or pandemic, one could say. Uh, and yeah, but I love what you said is like, also, you know, and I mean, I have so much yes to many things you said right now. So maybe I will not repeat it. I will just add uh, something that came up is also the feeling of like committing to a path is also committing to care. Mm. 
that we care for one another and yeah. we're not just jumping here and there and they're like staying anonymous. So I think that there is a community that also cares and there's a teaching or a teacher or like there is a whole environment of care. Yeah. Because I think in the moments when it's really hard, where we by ourselves might turn away from the practice or turn away from the divine, that there is an environment that helps us through the care and the love. And now we are back to the heart. Like there is a, there's a, I think that care is important in certain situations where it feels that it might feel dark on the journey for someone. There's, you know, there's support and there's an environment of love and care. And I think that that's also an element of the path and that, that we commit and we also give something because it's also like a, a community of practice, like I'm sure that's in your community the same, is that we all also give something. It's not just where I, what do I get, it's also what do I give. And that, the, that me giving something into the community and me receiving something is part of the learning and the maturation that you, that you spoke about uh, when we mature yes. into our heart quality. Yes. And I, I think... Yeah, we talk ahead. about the, the importance of a spiritual community, not just solo practice, which I, I agree with you, because that's what I do. And when a group of like-hearted, like-minded people who are practicing together the same way, and they know each other in time, there develops some kind of a, a field between them, uh, that is uh, feed the uh, uh, field that feeds them, and they they feed it and they develop it by their own practice. Each one feeds the field by interacting with each other and caring for each other. That's true, and that uh, being open and time and and having a community like that it makes it easier to be open and trusting, because you know most people are scared to to open because they don't trust most of the world and most of the world sometimes is not trustworthy so but so if you are a community you know that everybody cares to know the truth care to be real there is then the mutual respect and the trust and, and that kind of uh, connectivity can allow the heart to appear a certain way can appear can allow a certain manifestation of the heart that feels like uh, being held mm -hmm. by a caring hand, mm -hmm. like being held by uh, a softness and a delicacy, a nourishing softness that permeates the whole field, that everybody feels bathed in and uh, connected through. And that is actually, I've seen it as a palpable thing that happened, even on Zoom. Amazingly, it can happen. You know, if a group really know each other, they can, they're all there, they're all really, really present, they're not busy with their cell phone, all that. It's, it really can happen that there is a, a palpable field of presence. But it is usually the palpable field of presence that develops is a loving presence, mm. you know, which is really mm. always beautiful to see. But it's also very useful, you know, like people feel they have a place where they go, where they feel safe, they feel they are, it can be as open as possible, all their difficulties, they don't have to hide anything. 
and there's some more courage as a result, and more openness that can develop for the whole field. The whole field can develop too, mm -hmm. not just individuals. So a group can develop and become more mature. And so the one thing, you know, to bring back to the question of commitment is that really it requires maturity. The uh, consciousness, the heart can mature. Mature means it sees what is, uh, what's the true value in life, what is precious, and mm -hmm. to give it a priority and to uh, appreciate by giving it time and giving it attention. And, um, yeah, through, I love how you. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish. Sorry. You do. I'm, I'm finished. Yeah, like I love what you said about the field. This is very yeah. powerful, and I also experienced this very powerful in the groups. Yeah. and And I think it's a it's a very lovely cure to the current hyper individualism. And that, like, when we already live an embodied way, in which we all do, because we are all in culture, we are not sitting somewhere in the Himalayan caves, and and so that we that I think the interdependence between the collective and the individual, that an individual is not separate, but an expression of the collective, that there, there, is, a, there is a constant interdependence. And I think the, the experience of strong, mature we spaces, like spaces that develop that kind of what I call coherent field or coherence, Mm -hmm. That that coherence brings forth, the higher it goes, the more capacities emerge. So higher capacities emerge, the higher is the, the, the coherence of, of a group and the more it supports again healing. So it becomes a very beautiful fuel for the individual work within the we and every individual work charges the we yes. space and mm -hmm. supports the we space. So it's generous. Uh -huh. And it's beautiful because it always, you know, sharing something in a we space is generous and listening is generous. So when we are both, when all of, all of us are generous, something else can emerge between us. And I think that generosity is beautiful. I always feel that it's very touching to see sometimes very deep, authentic processes in, in front of many hundreds or whatever people. And then um, the coherence that it creates and the mutual learning it, it creates. So that's yeah, and, and many people, most people in the, in the group usually will actually feel it. Mm -hmm. They feel they are within some kind of coherent field. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing is not just feel, it's a field of love. Mm -hmm. It feels like you're being caressed, you're being touched mm -hmm. lovingly, you know, as a precious being. And uh, it is a certain manifestation of consciousness that actually appears in those situations. Like this kind of situation where a group committed together and uh, care for each other allows the situation, uh, opens up to a certain manifestation of consciousness, which is a kind of love whose nature, his function is to hold situation and to make everybody feel trusting that everything is okay here, that mm -hmm. everything is, will be okay. And that is very useful for the inner work, you know, especially for people working with, you know, individually, of course, but um, for a group, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's also, at least in my experience, that what you said before, that trauma is on the whole planet is kind of a global phenomenon that is painful all over. Doesn't matter where you go from the Middle East to the US to Europe to Asia and everywhere else. And um, and that 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 kind of field experience is something if it's being multiplied or if it becomes also like a fuel for for a much more global work connected to in a healthy way connected to technology like we two are talking now we could never have this conversation today without zoom uh, but somehow yeah. <laughs> like we are connected and i can feel you and you can feel me and we are kind of in a resonance space and many people are with us in a resonance space I think that's a real that's a real opportunity if we don't use technology out of addictions but if we use it like in that way it it creates like a global field that has a lot of power and i'm fascinated by the the possibility of this kind of collective healing so there's individual healing within the collective healing and and that interplay i think is a very important emergence of our time yeah good point and i think it is a microcosm of what can happen globally a whole whole human race can be like this but we're not there yet so it happens in groups that are focused on a certain practice certain work like as you do in your group makes me wonder when will it be possible for you to do a group for the leaders of the world you know all the dictators and all that to do some trauma therapy for them I think they're all traumatized <laughs> from the way they're behaving. <laughs> when their heart is not open, there must be some kind of trouble or trauma someplace, you know. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I think I think if enough people if enough people take their their inner healing work and trauma work deeper and like what we also spoke about, that there is a real interest in depth and maturation. And I think it will come more and more that also the leaders of our world will will do that. I think it's it's a matter like of of doing the work that we spoke about. It will naturally the more we integrate polarization, it 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 opens up new possibilities, and then a new polarization comes, and then we integrate that, and then mm-hmm. and I think like this more and more, like we see that. You know that what you described before with the field is not just happening for the people in in your groups, for example, but it has in your groups have an effect in the whole yeah. in the whole societal body. Even if at the beginning it looks like small, but I think there's a lot happening on kind of transformation and unification, and then doors open up in the. So I think your the vision of many leaders coming together. I, I think it's not that far out. Uh, well, I hope you're right. <laughs> it looks like we're going the wrong direction. <laughs> right. <laughs> I hope things will turn around and they'll find out that oh, the way we're going is just only trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the moment it really looks like that. That's right. Yeah. And <laughs> you, and yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I hope they wake up at some point. It's not good for them or their nations, you know, the way they're doing it. Mm. I mean, mm. also not just in you know between countries within the same nation, the polarization happening in the group, mm-hmm. you know. And I uh, see that what's needed is really more heart than anything else. 
because mm-hmm. heart makes us more willing to listen without having to give up ourselves. We can be truly ourselves and, mm-hmm. and open to the other to hear, hear and feel where they are. And that, I don't see how they can be healing without that kind of open communication at some mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that you do your work in a group that way, because sort of that's a model of what can happen, I think. Right, right. Yeah, I see that the same way. It's like a model that they can multiply and then it can reach yes. through the collective, especially through technology. I think that's that's why I like technology. I see I see all the shadow sides of it, but for this yeah. it's it's a very good medium. And we need to learn how to use it in order to be able to create these emergent fields also online. But as you said, it uh, you have the same experience we have that and I know others do like the intimacy that we can create. And it's so interesting because it's, it says basically what like mystics over thousands of years have said that the information is non-local, that we are, even if we sit thousands of miles apart right now, we are dialed into the same space and we yeah. can feel, feel each other deeply. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, I actually feel like I'm sitting here talking in my office here, my study, in my house. But and I and I know you're in Europe and <laughs> and Maurizio and Zaya someplace in Northern California, but I feel you all here. You know, I feel you're you're here, not just in my room. You're sort of in my heart, <laughs> and that is one of the functions of the heart: bring us close in some kind. Of, even though we're through internet and all kind of you know technology going, but interesting that the uh, technology can be used in such a real way for true connection that we, we're, we're experiencing right now and I mean, as a felt way you know mm-hmm. <laughs> thank uh, you so much thank you so much both for this rich conversation and thank you for listening to the sounds of sand We invite you to explore more of our talks, dialogues, videos, articles, events, and offerings through our website, scienceandnonduality.com. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please consider becoming a member to access our massive library of SAND content, available exclusively to SAND members. And we would love it if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify and share this episode with your family, friends, and all sentient beings. Be well.